Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah. Hey, Sunny Crusaders, America's greatest country in the world. San Diego's America's finest city. Thanks for being here. Oh, geez, I say America's the greatest country in the world, but wait till you hear this segment. I've heard nothing about this. Not a, not a peep from anyone, not a whisper, not a mention. You ready for this? This is a, 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 a terrible sign of the demise of America's power and prestige. I don't know uh, if you've lived through, you know, whatever, infl- inflation of the 70s and other uh, bad economic times in the past, depending on how old you are, of course. Uh, but none of us have ever lived in an era where we are not the most dominant country in the world. I mean, Cold War, it was like us and the Soviets, right? But like we were there, we're at the top. And uh, I fear we're headed into an era when we're not even in the mix. Here's what I mean. Have you heard anything about the summit of the Americas? Did you hear about it? We just had it. We just had the summit of the Americas. Never heard of it. So 1994, it was here, it was in LA, it was up the street. 1994 was the very first summit of the Americas, right? So it's, it's us, uh, South America, Central America, the Caribbean nations, right? So first one was 1994, and it was in Miami. Bill Clinton was the president. And they have one every couple of years. It's not a regular every two-year thing, but it's every couple of years. And this was the first time that the summit of the Americas was in America since the very first one, 1994. It's the ninth one. It's in LA. It was called... It was in LA. It was called Building a Sustainable, Resilient, and Equitable Future. Okay, so you got the sustainable, you got the environmental, you got the equitable, you got the race stuff, okay? That's what it was about. So I, I only read about this in The Atlantic. That inaugural meeting, 1994, marked a moment of U.S. ascendancy, ascendancy as America stood atop a unipolar world after the collapse of the Soviet Union. So we won the Cold War. We're at the top. We're the top dogs, 1994. Latin America was also going through a transformation, no longer a region of military dictatorships. Nearly every country had a democratically elected government, and many were eager to work with Washington. Super. We just had the ninth one, and people didn't even go. It was boycotted by Mexico, and it wasn't because of Trump. It was boycotted. This is so interesting. Ah, let me make this point, and I'll get to the big one. No, no, let me make the point first. Remember when Trump was president and the left was like, oh, our, our prestige around the world. Blah, blah. Here we have Biden president. And that was also the pitch too. Like, oh, we got to like Biden president because then we'll be like uh, loved around the world again. So here we have the summit of the Americas and no one went. Boycotted by Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, Bolivia, and El Salvador. Biden was criticized by the leaders of Argentina and Belize. I feel like that would be reported if it were Trump. Michael Tracy, anytime there was some diplomatic snafu under Trump, the think tank punditry screamed that he was destroying the U.S. alliance system and the international order. 
Meanwhile, huge swaths of America's own hemisphere just sided with Cuba, Venezuela, and Nicaragua in the rebuke of Biden. So uh, part of the reason for the boycott was that uh, Biden wouldn't let Cuba come, or Cuba and Venezuela or something. And then all these other countries are like, fine, we're not going either. <laughs> so these, all these countries in our hemisphere sided with Cuba and Venezuela instead of us. Not good. Uh, the Mexican president boycotted the summit in protest because of uh, Cuba and Venezuela not being invited. Amusingly, the left-wing Mexican president had a better relationship with Trump. Okay, all right. So the reason why Biden didn't want Cuba and Venezuela to come to this meeting, I think Nicaragua as well, to come to this summit is because they're not democracies. Okay, so we're not gonna, you're not invited. You're not a democracy. Meanwhile, it was either right before or right after Biden went to go kiss the butt of Saudi Arabia, which we all know is just a bastion of democracy. Right? I mean, you guys, like, we, we love Saudi Arabia. When I think democracy, I think Saudi Arabia. Right? So he says, no, we're not going to have Cuba and Venezuela come. They're not democracies. Oh, sorry, guys. I got to cut it a little early. I got to head over to Saudi Arabia to kiss their butt because we need their oil. And all of this going on, Venezuela signed a 20-year peace agreement uh, with Iran in Tehran. So we have new international orders taking place, even with the countries that are in our backyard. Richard Feinberg, former national, excuse me, former national security council officer who came up with the idea for the original summit and helped organize it, told me that senior Clinton administration officials spent almost a year in intensive consultation with other governments fine-tuning policy proposals and working to address the issues that were raised. So that was in 1994. Extra work was done to massage the egos and make sure that the two largest Latin American countries, Brazil and Mexico, understood that they would play a meaningful role. None of that seemed to occur this year's meeting. I thought we were bringing the adults back, which close observers said was marked by poor planning and lack of preparation. Despite daunting challenges, such as countering the growing influence of China and Russia, addressing deep poverty, blah, blah, the proposals that would normally have been hashed out in detail months ahead of time were in many cases slapped together late in the process, not shared in advance with the other nations. The whole enterprise evoked the image of a privileged but lazy student who figures he can get an A on the test if he doesn't study or do his homework. That's right. Resting on our laurels. That's a perfect example of resting on our laurels, which I've been talking about a lot. On the final day, a South American diplomat summed up the meeting in a word, improvised. When Biden was vice president, he made 16 trips to Latin America as Barack Obama's liaison to the region. 16 trips to Latin America. Now that he's president, he was reduced to begging for countries to attend the summit. This is a uh, Colombian ambassador. The third of these meetings he's been to. If the first summit was a summit of hope that generated great expectations, this is a summit that generates great frustrations. The Biden administration's main economic initiative was a list of vague promises to, quote, foster innovation, build supply chains, create clean energy jobs, and other generic offerings. You can't blame the guy. That's the same generic nonsense that got him elected. Just stay in the basement. Don't say anything. Don't do anything. And uh, I'm the, the rational, sane person that the world loves. And that got him elected. He thought he could do the same thing with the world. We get what we deserve here. Amazing. And th th these, 
these Biden people, they can't even get over themselves. All right, check this out. Uh, even U.S. warnings about democratic backsliding in countries such as El Salvador, Guatemala, Brazil, appeared to some to be driven by concerns over threats to democracy at home. One liaison said, the way that officials talked about it, it was clear they were talking about January 6th. What? what you, like, this is the problem. Like, it's one thing to take January 6th and blow it up here in America for political reasons. Because January 6th, in the grand scheme of things, no big deal. Okay, No big deal. But if you want to blow it up for political purposes, okay, fine. To have a summit of the Americas and equate January 6th with anything else that's going on in Central America or South America, that is so irresponsible. Because when you do that, this is what China does. Remember there was a, we played it, it was live. I don't know why we did it live. It was China and, uh, and, and our guy, Blinken, meeting up in Alaska. Right, Big deal, they haven't met in a long time, met in Alaska. And the Chinese guy, this uh, diplomat or whatever, does his opening thing. And he talks about how, um, oh, you Americans, you tell us we have human rights abuses. Well, what about George Floyd? What about you saying that America is founded on slavery and genocide? And what about America uh, killing all the natives? And, uh, and, and here you are lecturing us, right? They're using all the woke critiques against America, to say the least, uh, against us. China's just taking like a university seminar course and throwing it back at us, which takes away our authority, our moral authority to say, hey, China, you shouldn't be enslaving people, which is what they're doing. So we have like real life, actual, horrific poverty and like like legitimately, like, like real coups in our hemisphere and and we're having a we like our biden administration is having a meeting with these countries saying i mean you know we know what it's like to have a coup here you know an insurrection military insurrection with january 6th right so we know what it's like, like no guys there's nothing there's nothing there's nothing in common at all you can compare us to like nicaragua like it would be insulting if nicaragua compared them to january 6th I'd be like, get out of here with that. That's ridiculous. But it's not even Nicaragua doing it. It's us. It's Biden doing it. Biden's going to the world and saying, oh, man, we are awful. January 6th, am I right? Wow, that is so terrible. And this didn't get a lick of anything. <laughs> Never heard of it. It was right up in L.A. You'd think even there'd be like some traffic report. would be like, oh, there's a lot of traffic. Summit of the Americas is taking place right now. And we got nothing. This is... Uh, uh, symbolic it seems like weakness no a sign of what's to come for us internationally when we are not the ones in charge and if we're not the ones in charge who is hey Sunday Crusaders thanks for being here hope you have a nice weekend uh, this is the Wall Street Journal the headline is what inflation the super frugal say they were made for this moment All right so it's an article about people who, who are very frugal so this uh, this husband and wife says it doesn't uh, inflation inflation record inflation it doesn't affect us as much because of the way we shop uh they forego shopping lists and mostly buy marked down items the burnt hills new york that's north of albany the burnt hills new york couple say they spend an average of 364 dollars a month 
on groceries. I read that through. 364 hours a month? What are you talking about? Uh, that's like a couple days. Three six, but I was like, okay, well, husband and wife, I guess. Okay, I guess. I didn't finish the sentence. They spent an average of $364 a month this year to feed their family of 11. No. No. Like, 11. If you fed your kids literally $1 cans of beans for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you're going to spend more than 300. You're going to have more than 365 cans of beans, wouldn't you? Every kid gets one can of beans three times a day. Okay, times uh, 30 days. Oh, 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 wrong button. Uh, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. That's, that's ridiculous. If every kid ate a can of beans, one for breakfast, one for lunch, one for dinner, they have 11 kids, and that includes them too. That's $1,000 in beans. $1,000 a month. You're telling me they spend a third of that? No, that's that's a typo. That's ridiculous. Three hundred sixty-four dollars a month. I literally spent two hundred thirty. We have family coming to town. I spent two hundred thirty dollars for just like three days. We bought some little extra things, right? Because we got family, right? But come on, three hundred sixty-four dollars. That's there's no way. All right. Anyway, um, yeah. Actually, why don't I just make this point? This is a clip, since we're talking about the economy. Uh, this is a clip from Jesse Kelly. Jesse Kelly showed this. This is from The Book of Eli. Do you remember that uh, movie? I haven't seen that movie in forever. Uh, but it's like an apocalyptic movie. I, I, don't, I forget it. But like these are the only two people left in the world or something like that. So you got Denzel Washington here. Uh, and I, let's see if you can hear it. I hate when movies, like they... Uh, they're, they talk so quietly, you can't hear them. You know what I mean? Like, why are you? Why do we make movies that are so dark? You can't literally see what's happening, and then they mumble so much you can't even hear what they're saying. I'm getting old. In, in the world before. Yeah. So the question is, do you remember what it was like in the world before? In, in the world before. Yeah. Well, what was it like? People had more than they needed. We had no idea what was precious, what wasn't. <laughs> we threw away things people kill each other for now. Usher, could you hear that? Was that audible? All right, cool. Uh, people had more than they needed. We had no idea what was precious, what wasn't. We threw away things people kill each other for now. It's about right. Huh? This reminded me, I forgot to mention this. I apologize. I'm going to be speaking tomorrow morning at the Father's Day breakfast at Riverview Church in Bonzel. Uh, I spoke at Riverview Church years and years and years ago. I think what I, I forgot, years ago. Uh, but I'm great, grateful to be back. Uh, I'm very excited. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about tough economic times. And where you should be investing your money. <laughs> no. Treasures in heaven. But no, we're going to be talking about bad economy and, and other bad things. And what do we do? How do we approach this? How do we prepare? So it's Riverview Church. 
tomorrow. Starts at 8 o'clock, 8 a.m. And we got breakfast. It'll be great. 8 a.m. tomorrow. And I'll be uh, speaking. Riverview Church in, in Bonza. Great people there. Anywho, uh, get ready for hard times is what I'm going to. Get ready for hard times. All the nonsense around. Oh, what, was the, what was the nonsense thing I read today? Oh, it'll come to me in a second. And I was just like, oh, that won't be a thing in a year. <laughs> like, There's no way people could possibly care about that in one year. That's a thing that you care about when you have nothing else to care about. And there's nothing else to worry about. When there's real hard time, like no one in the depression was worried about safe spaces or whatever, right? And we, most people are just going to get really smacked in the head. I mean, even the economic, like the, the stock market crashes so far, like that's nothing compared to uh, what can come. I always, uh, the line I think about all the time, I think the scariest line for a Christian is, uh, depart from me, I never do you. Oof, brutal. But there's another scary line, which is God gave them over. Ooh. <laughs> God gave them over. Right? That's what God's, God's like, fine, enough, whatever. <laughs> you want to do this? You want to be like that? All right. I will, I will give you over to it and face the consequences of it. And we're seeing that economically. It's like, oh, you just want to keep spending money forever? All right. Here we are. Just want to keep printing money? All right. We've, we've, we've been given over to it. And it's true socially, culturally as well. Everything we're seeing. Let's focus on the economy. Everything we're seeing right now is it's baked in. It's entirely baked in. It's the fruit of decisions we made for decades, really just the last couple of years especially. But we're going to keep going back to it. We knew this would happen. Like, what, did, what else did you think? I read some article the other day about how the, the Fed was like, you know, we were shocked. Shocked. You're in charge of the Federal Reserve? You didn't know it? I took one econ course in college. I slept through it. Yeah, I knew what was coming. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Everyone knew this would happen. No one cared. And the people in D.C. who were part of the whole thing, they're just going to get rehired. People out there thinking they're the ones who know how to fix it. Give me a break. 858-522-5775. But I'm, let me say this last point because I'm serious about this. Like, you, hmm, I don't put this. All right, this is not something that should be rushed, but let me just say it quick. Um, nah, I'll come back. 858, I don't want to rush. 858 I'll just tell you this. I, my money wasn't, I, not all my money, but I had a lot of money in Celsius. And if you're, uh, if you know what that means right now, you're like, ooh, that was dumb, Slater. Like, yeah, yeah, I know, thanks. Uh, I'll explain when we get back. But I learned something through this experience. Hey, Slater Crusaders. We, did, we still haven't seen Top Gun. Our babysitter bailed at the last minute. We were going to, you could have spent so much money to go see Top Gun. 
We're going to spend more money to go see Top Gun between the tickets and the babysitter than this family of 11 uses to feed their kids in a month. That's how much, like almost, like that's almost, almost right. Uh, there's no way a family of 11 eats on $334 a month. That is so absurd. I said if every kid had a, a dollar can of beans for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, it'd be a thousand us. Let's just do every person in the family gets one can of beans a day. A dollar, one dollar can of beans a day. I don't even know if you can get a dollar cans of beans anymore. Are they, are they a dollar at Walmart? I know if you go like Sprouts are like now a dollar twenty nine, so maybe they're still a dollar at Walmart. You got to get like a dented can. So you got to get a dented can. Are they still are they ninety nine cents at the ninety nine cent store? Or are they smaller now? Maybe they just put less food in them even now, right? Uh, but is the ninety nine cent store even ninety nine cents anymore? Didn't they go up? One of them. That was Dollar them, Tree. Dollar Tree went above it. All right. So uh, I heard Arizona iced tea is now a dollar twenty. Okay. Anyway, dollar one dollar can of bean a day. You're still you're at three hundred thirty bucks. So everyone gets everyone gets one can of beans, and that's like no, that's ridiculous. Three hundred and as three hundred sixty four dollars for a family of eleven. Come on. Anywho, uh, someone said, I suspect that much of Top Gun's success was merely due to it not being some unwatchable woke BS or a childish superhero story. A miraculous occurrence in our current mediascape. Uh, yeah, the films, was they started filming it in 2018 before a lot of this woke nonsense. So I want to talk about uh, difficult times and, and our laurels resting on them and all that. But I think this whole January 6th thing is a really good metaphor for how weak we are there's a meme going around and it has a uh, some soldiers from a thousand years ago right? soldiers from a thousand years like medieval times and one of the guys says we just lost twenty thousand men in battle we look forward to seeking revenge as today so we're gonna seek revenge in battle today it was men a thousand years, war a thousand years. And then today, oh no, we lost a tank. And the Russians, we think, killed someone. Ah! It's over, it's over for us. It's like, oh man, like, we have no idea what war used to be like. Like, war was just two sides of people, and they just, like, run at each other and murder each other with knives. And everyone would die. Like, they'd all die. And we're over here like, oh, a guy with a Viking helmet sauntered into the Senate chamber and then walked around for a while. Oh, no. What did he do next? He left. Ah, the horror. How will democracy continue? Goes back to one of my COVID theories. That is that humans were made for suffering. Humans were made for trial. I'll put it like that. Humans were made for trials. Nah, I'll stick with suffering. Humans were made for difficulty and suffering. It's, I mean, it's, it's built in us. When you exercise and you work out, your muscles get stronger, right? So we were made for suffering. It's essential to our physical well-being, and it's essential to our uh, sense of meaning, just emotional and spiritual well-being. And where we lack trials, we make it up. I think most of the problems in our life today are caused by life being too good. And I think it's true even for, like if you look at just like, like, like low income, whatever, like I think it's just like, oh, like people are just 
doing, uh, you know, taking drugs, doing all this other stuff. Because it's just like life's too good. It's too easy. It's too simple. It's too much. Too much prosperity. Whatever. As opposed to like working. Like we just used to work. There's <laughs> no time for drugs. You just work all the time. You're farming. I'm not saying that's like enjoyable. But I think most of the mental health crisis in our life today is because things are we're just too soft. We're too soft, too comfortable. And it's because our existence lacks the suffering that human beings were made to experience. Right, it's the old story from Tribe by Sebastian Younger, which you have to read. And it was in the beginning of World War II, and everyone was very concerned in, in England about what are we going to do with the mentally ill? What are we going to do with people in the, in the insane asylums and when, when we're getting bombed? And it turned out they didn't need them. Like, like World War II came and the bombs were dropping and, and everyone, like hell, everyone was fighting the war. And like people who were in the insane asylum were now driving the ambulances and like part of the war effort and like they were helping, like everyone had a mission now, everyone had a purpose. And I think the lack of meaning, the lack of meaningful suffering manifests itself when we complain about silly things to make ourselves feel like we're suffering when we're not. That's my theory. So, so to tie it into the COVID, uh, I think people watch too much Walking Dead and then the idea of shutting everything down and, and how things turned into like zombie ghost towns and the idea that like going to the grocery store was like exciting. <laughs> you don't even know what's in there. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. It's exciting. Is there any food there? Who else will be there? You're like looking at everyone like, oh, am I going to die? <laughs> I made it, but, but like you weren't going to die. It's not right. It's not like everyone had guns and you were like trying to get some food before the bad guys shoot you. It wasn't, so there wasn't any real threat of anything, but you still had that little, like deep down, like, oh, this is so dangerous. But we don't have, like, normally we don't have that. It's like, what do you want to eat tonight? Uh, I don't know. Uh, never anything to eat. Uh, never anything to eat. What are you, like, like driving? So every, uh, once a week, we have soccer practice with the kids. And we're always like, oh, what do you want to eat? And there's, and we're like, oh, there's never anything to eat. We, we drive by 38 restaurants. <laughs> oh, it's never anything to eat. <laughs> like, oh, you've, you're bountiful with food. more food you could fathom. What back in the day, Little House on the Prairie Times, what'd you eat? I don't know, like corn or whatever. I don't know, whatever's like sitting laying around. Never have you ever had a moment, oh, I don't know if we have enough food. Is there going to be enough food? But during COVID, there was. During COVID, it was like, oh, do we have enough? Is it safe to go outside? And I think that whole, it all appealed to a very primal part of us. It was exciting. And I think people craze, crave suffering because it gives us meaning. Anyway, that's my theory. You can do what you want with it. Uh, let me quote this. 37-year-old guy uh, texted his parents, texted his mom and dad. Hey, mom, dad, I've been wondering what it was like to be you in your 20s. Right? Text to mom and dad. What was it like to be you in your 20s? Like, what were you thinking about? If someone at the time had asked you to describe what is a good life, what would you have said? Oh, this is so good. There's a couple of my friends now whose parents are uh, nearing the end of their life. And we've talked a lot about interviewing them, asking questions, either writing them out or literally getting a video camera and, and asking questions uh, to mom and dad. I encourage everyone to do that. I think that's really cool. Um, so this, this guy did it. Like, what was the good life? What were you guys thinking about? Um, dad said, oh yeah, happy, he said lots of sex, happy home life, loved having you kids, working in the garden, garden, 
uh, doing building work. Quite enjoyed the excitement of being a cop, at least for the first five years. Mom said, I love being Dennis's wife and being a stay-at-home mom. Worked hard in our gardens. Being as self-sufficient as we could was important. Working within the church community was also satisfying. I loved every stage of our kids' lives. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's awesome. And we can all still do those things. All right, so here, here's what I was going to say about Celsius. Are you familiar with Celsius? So I had a bad night the other night. Uh, so I have some crypto. I just have like a little bit of crypto. But like too much. <laughs> Not a ton, but like definitely too much. And I put it in my Celsius account. Celsius is, uh, it's like this fake crypto bank where you can put your money and then they give you interest on it. And the other day, Sunday or something, uh, Celsius froze all the accounts. <laughs> She's like, yoink, we took all your money. And who knows if they'll, ever, if they'll ever give it back, right? So I probably lost all this money, which sucks. And I was depressed about it, right? Because I, 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 like, I want the money. Like, it's mine, and now it's not. I don't have it. And I can see... But it was, it was not a deal break. Like, it's fine. Like, we're not like, bankrupt. We didn't put our life savings. Although, then this is my point. I feel for the people who did. And, and let me just cut to it. I understand how someone, a middle-aged man, most people who commit suicide are middle-aged men. I understand how they could commit suicide over finances. This is not a cry for help. I'm not going to. Right, right. But I get it. I could see it. I could see how someone can feel like they're so desperate, such a failure, have fallen so far, can never get out of it, made horrible mistake after mistake after mistake. They're now worthless and meaningless and they failed. I get it. I get it. It's a combination of financial failures, life failures, perceived failures, uh, thinking it's the most important thing in life and I failed at it. I'm a failure. I get that. It's wrong. It's, you're inaccurate. But I get it. And I was appropriate amount of depressed after this money being gone and uh my wife showed me a picture of johnny at the grocery she and johnny went to the grocery store and showed me a picture of johnny at the grocery store being adorable and you're like oh it's all better so here's the mindset that I'm, I'm liking uh my buddy told me this anxiety is caused by things that happen a thousand miles away and things you have no control over but things that happen a thousand miles away but your neighbor your loved ones, your family, they need you today. They're right here. They're not a thousand miles away. They're right here, right now. And he said, I don't know if that maybe it may not give you hope, but it gives you a duty. And maybe that's what people need more than anything. 858 5775 something they need some responsibility Eight five eight five two two five seven seven five. Hey, tomorrow morning eight o'clock i'm speaking at uh, riverview church in bonzel a father's day breakfast come on bring the uh bring the men of the family bring the boys It'd be great I'm doing a little, a little sermon there saturday morning breakfast will be provided bonzel riverview church tomorrow eight o'clock eight five eight five two two five seven seven five. mike Sider show spread the word hey Sider Sider. ross just sent this to me this is a perfect scripture. Oh, I just saw some headline. I didn't go into it, but 81% of people in America believe in God. That's the lowest that it's ever been. It's always been like 90 something. So it's 81% of people believe in God at all. And then even those who say they believe in God, it's just like their own made up God. They don't really believe in, well, they don't believe in the God of the Bible, right? So they're just like 
make up like this thing that they call God. Uh, anyway, he sent over Revelation 3, which is great. I'm going through a Revelation sermon a series uh, with Barabbas Road Church. Pastor Matt Smith, you can go to Barabbas Road and it's all on there. Because Revelation always scared me, but it's super easy to understand. Um, so this is to the church of La Laodicea. There are these seven churches in Asia. And these are letters written to each of them about each church's problems. Uh, and this, see if this is us. Uh, I know your deeds, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. But because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, and this is us, I am rich. I've acquired wealth. Do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become actually rich. White clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and an ointment to put on your eyes so that you can see. To those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. To the one who's victorious, I will give, I will, uh, give the right to sit with me on the throne. But that's us in America, right? We're like this lukewarm. <laughs> it spits you out. What do you mean? I'm great. Look at all the money I made. Ah, you don't even realize. We as a country don't even realize how wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked we are. Instead, we need to buy the gold refined in the fire. Difficulty. Duty. Real quick, because I'm thumping uh, the Bible. Read this article in The Atlantic. A faith-based case for abortion faith-based case for abortion. Okay, I'll bite. So this is written by a female rabbi. I don't know if rabbis, I didn't know that was a thing, but uh, this, she's from the National Council of Jewish Women, which fights to preserve the right to abortion and expand access to the procedure. Okay, so here's how she, she says the Bible says abortion's okay. You ready for this? She wrote this. She said this is what she wrote. She's interpreting the Bible. This is her paraphrase of the Bible. This is out of Exodus. Two people are fighting. One so visualize this. Two people are fighting. One accidentally pushes someone who is pregnant, causing a miscarriage. The text outlines the consequence. If only a miscarriage happens, the pusher is obligated to pay financial damages. If, however, the pregnant person dies, then the case is treated as a murder. The meaning is clear. The fetus is regarded as potential life rather than actual life. That is this female rabbi's claim that God is, is doesn't mind abortion. <laughs> like you can kill, you can kill babies, it's no problem. Because one time in Exodus, it had the law here, and it says if you push someone and they have a miscarriage, no big deal, just pay some money. But if the person dies, like if the the mom dies, then that's actual murder. So there's a difference between the potential life and the actual life. That's her interpretation. So I went back to the Bible, read it myself. In short, well, here's what it says. If people are fighting and hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, but there is no serious injury, then you pay financial damages. But if someone is murdered, then it's treated as a murder. So what she did is she took the word born prematurely and took it as miscarriage. But it doesn't say miscarriage. It says born prematurely. Those are different, right? If someone says, oh, my baby was born prematurely, you're like, oh, bummer. I hope they get better, right? I hope everything goes well. If someone says, my baby, I had a miscarriage, like we don't, those are very different things. 
But this rabbi, this female rabbi, just took the word born prematurely, changed it to miscarriage. Therefore, oh, God doesn't care if babies die. No big deal. Isn't that unbelievable? Changing a translation and then paraphrasing incorrectly uh, the Bible to suit her ends there. That's, uh, that's great. <laughs> oh, sick people. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about uh, the gun compromise bill that's being cobbled together in, uh, in D.C. It's not just the, the red flag part that we've talked a lot about. It's also the age part. What do you think? Should 18-year-olds be allowed to buy guns or should they raise it to 21 or even 25 as they're talking about? We'll talk about that next. Mike Slater Show. Spread the word. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.